To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, everybody. Today is an amazing day because we're going to talk about the hokey pokey. <laughs> we're going to spin ourselves around and not just ourselves, but we're also going to spin our crops around because we fit in a rotate them, everybody. So, yeah. Yay. Gonna... <clears throat> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Batavia's not excited about it, but this is another one of those questions. Uh, Leonard, can you send that over to me so I can not sound like an idiot for too long? One of those questions that we got on our Facebook page that we just felt like kind of needed to be talked about a little bit more. Um, we wanted to give it more justice than two minutes, wouldn't you say? So I would say, and I do want to, as a caveat, note that all of my, you know, whining <laughs> past and present and future, it's sheer stubbornness. I want to plant what I want to plant when, where yeah. I want to plant it. Yeah. Hard stop. And the act of crop rotation. Um, and again, it's not just the act of crop rotation, but the need, I'm saying it, for rotating some crops, it it fights against that. Yeah. Right. You know, and so it's there's a little bit of stubbornness there even maybe a little bit on my part of like ignorance of trying to ignore the thing that kind of stares us in our faces sometimes so just know that i won't revisit you know my stubbornness i won't speak of it again my lovely co-host young ben won't call out my stubbornness in this episode that's no. just warning no I but won't now you know <laughs> no and um i mean truth be told and i'm not trying to flex but i've done this from day one but the only reason why I did it, and I didn't understand it, but I just knew that it was something I needed to do. That was the only thing. And then as time grew, I got more and more educated on it. But um, it was just, you know, I always heard, don't ever plant the same thing twice in the same area. So, you know, I would naturally would do it, but I had no clue what I was doing in the early days of um, Young Ben's Garden. But this is from Laura, and she just writes, crop rotation. No, I'm joking. She wrote more than that. She wrote crop rotation. When you year-round garden, she's in uh, 7B, is it sufficient enough to plant in the same space but rotate via season, or is crop rotation specific to season itself, i.e., no tomatoes in the same spot two summers in a row? And then she writes, other than cover crops, are there crops to plant that can boost next season's growth that are plant-specific, i.e. corn and soy. Now, this is why, because, I mean, within this question, it doesn't seem, like, at, the, at a glance of it, that it really would be asking to cover crop rotation. But there's a lot of nuances to it that I had to figure out a couple years ago. I think I finally got to the point where I was just like, I've got to figure it out. And we went kind of deep on it. And... Um, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I'm going to go ahead and just do this now. We, I'm going to use the planter app for this episode. I'm going to pull it up on my computer because it's available on your computer and the Apple and Google stores. Um, but it's got, you know, 
all of my profiles in it and I can go, I'm going to go through and pull up different profiles for different years as we talk and glance around. And also I'll go and check in the different varieties and stuff within that app and make Mm -hmm. sure that we're rotating them far enough because it gives you all of this information. If you want to get it, there is a link below to give you a discount. Please sign up for it. It will change the way you garden everybody. And it's just loads of fun. But I'm going to go ahead and pull that up and we can get started. I think we'll break this question down piece by piece, but we're also going to talk about the active crop rotation as well. So, um, Batavia, you do not. What zone are you in? I'm in zone 6A, thanks. And I'm in zone 8A, thanks. That being said, the reason why I ask is because you do not garden year round. I do not. I garden year round. But... Even still, the crop rotation, it's not really that different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, the The reason why we are rotating crops generally is going to be the same. So there's there are things actively growing in my garden, I'd say, from April through at some point in December. So there are plants in the garden during that period. Um, That's you know, eight months some, out of the year. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's not not a short time for sure. Um, and the other months, the weather is just not really, um, you know, <laughs> accommodating to to wanting to grow. Um, so, but I get a full season of whatever I'm growing, and I think that's that's kind of the intention. Once you have insert vegetable name in that soil taking away from in many cases that soil whether it's nutrients or whether it's kind of hosting problems i'm growing and most of us are growing for long enough to seriously consider rotating some of these crops right and i do want to say this um in one of the recent storms my roof got messed up so i got a new roof but they're redoing a lot of areas so if you hear banging nobody's in my closet getting murdered or anything like that as people trying to fix my house and redo parts that were messed up. So if you hear that, don't worry, everything's okay. Um, Not on this episode, at least. Yeah. <laughs> we should take this act on the road. If they come Part-time in and start comedians. beating on the walls real yeah. hard, we'll just, let's just do like six episodes in a row and not make a comment. And everybody will just think there's like craziness going on here. But um, I pulled up real quick what the U.S. Department of Agriculture says about crop rotation. Um, It says rotating crops can have an important production benefit, such as increasing yields, improving nutrients and organic matter in the soil. It can help disrupt life cycle of crop pests and reducing chemical use or and you can add the need to use chemicals in there. So, I mean, that's a, a good gist of what it's all about but there's there's a lot to that because you don't just take a crop out put it somewhere and then bam all of a sudden you've got you you know you've disrupted the life cycle of the pest because it depends on what you put in there next now the next episode Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about companion planting and i have a feeling we'll talk about companion planting but we'll we'll really probably be talking about faux planting which is all in one necessary essentially but if you plant the wrong crop behind it you're just magnifying the issue and this Mm -hmm. is where we have to get a little scientific which is kind of my jam is we got to know the families that these plants are in you got to really intimately start to know your plants that you're growing 
before you start rotating them. And you don't have to do it all in one year, but you can do it piece by piece and just kind of start picking up the pieces and picking up the parts of it. And you'll, you'll get it eventually. So one of the things as I was reading up in preparation for this episode that I found, and it's also USDA as a source, I didn't know um, it, it's described as organic systems, you know, they're unique, yada, yada, yada. But crop rotation is required. It's a part of the USDA organic regulations that farmers rotate their crops. I didn't realize that. Um, <clears throat> and that, I mean, there's like a sliver of that changes my perception. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting, pretty cool, and that I'd share that here as my contribution. Leonard, wake me when this episode's over. Yeah, she's done. All right, everybody. <laughs> it's just going to be a monologue from here on out. But it's interesting to think about that because it is an organic practice, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at big farms and you know, some people live close to farms, some people don't, but generally speaking... Farms don't plant the same thing year after year. And the super common is just like in the question was corn one year, soybeans the next. Corn one year, soybeans the next. And then they actually plant nothing the next year around here. So it'll kind of flop back and forth. And you can see how that works. Now, there's different, you know, all kinds of ways you can do this commercial crops. And most of that corn is mm-hmm, not even mm-hmm. eaten by humans. It's for the, the animals, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother episode format in itself which we may you not hear how to. long that mm-hmm I did. was mm-hmm. i did i kind of got worried a little bit when you said it well you know it's um it's one of those things i was out and if i find it the actual name of it and the date i'll share it it's one of those things where you know so some people have what anyone would consider a true farm and they're listening to this episode and our show there's some people that refer to their you know area that they grow in as a farm right you know so you could call whatever you're doing whatever you want that's you're right Um, but i am always thinking about kind of guidelines and recommendations and who they apply to yeah right you know so i've tried to use my small garden like it's not this big farm and so the rules don't apply but vegetables don't care (laughs) so so there's that you know i mean we did a whole episode about that about um techniques we can borrow from farmers yeah that's the the episode i was looking for yeah and i mean this is just i mean essentially what everybody listening to this show has to no matter what you're growing, you have a micro farm going on. I mean, if you have a container garden, still, it's you treat it the same kind of way. And I mean, it gets a lot more technical when you're on, you know, you're working a couple hundred acres or a couple acres or something. But when you have a small garden, I mean, it's the same idea. And I will say that um, crop rotation gets a lot easier when you have a bigger space to work in, mm-hmm. you know, because unlike the farms that are you know growing 50 acres of corn if even if you had 50 acres you're not going to grow just corn you're going to be growing everything and it takes a little bit of diligence but this is the part that i know you dread it but i actually enjoy it because it's like a puzzle trying Hmm. to put it together you know i enjoy the puzzle part i just hate it when i'm missing a piece and it's always the last piece always the last piece that i'm missing yeah so one of the notes of like for farms Right. You know, they have identified the types of crops they plan to grow. Yeah. They're generally not, you know, 
watching Netflix and in between exciting scenes, looking on the interweb or looking at catalogs and saying, you know, in December, ooh, maybe I should try this next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're calling and being like, let me get 20 pounds of uh, corn seed. Yeah, yeah. So the um, the evolving garden, you know, that I have and many of us have the shifts, right? It goes back to the opening when I shared. I don't want to just be like, it almost feels like I'm being pigeonheld, you know, that I'm being restricted in some way and get ready for the corny moment. But it's absolutely true. The garden is a place of freedom for me. Right. You know, and so I know I can still feel like the garden is freedom. It can still be a place of freedom for me. And I can still rotate my crops. I know that those things can exist together. Um, But, you know, kind of out of the gate, I have something else I need to consider besides what I feel like growing as I'm standing in front of a bed. Yeah. And I think it's, um, for me, it's gotten a little bit well, I say it's gotten easier and it's gotten easier and more complicated over the years because as I grow in my gardening life and experience, I grow more and more different kinds of plants mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. it does get more difficult to plant it, but it also gets easier because I'm I'm constantly learning more about the plant so it gets easier you know, a piece, but each year it gets a little bit easier for me mm-hmm. until I throw in a whole nother plant. And then it's like, oh boy, <laughs> you know? Um, so what she asks in specific is, is it sufficient enough to plant in the same spaces, but rotate via season? So we may have to do a little bit of interpretation and you may understand that more than I do. So when I think about, um, and I don't know that the, the setup of her garden but I think about my very first planting space my very first garden I talk about this often because it means a lot to me the 30 foot by 4 foot space watch at some point I'm going to go out with a measuring tape and it's going to be like you know 18 feet by 2 feet or something (laughs) (laughs) I've actually measured it before because those kind of numbers matter to me so it's probably like 33 but that's beside the point 30 by 4 foot space I think about that when she says you know what does it matter? How does it matter when it comes to the spacing? If I put tomatoes in the first, you know, eight feet of that space, because it's just a straight line. And then on the other end in next year, I decide I'm going to grow tomatoes there. Is that enough? Right. Have I I've relocated and said the first eight feet are tomatoes for 2023. And then next year, that first eight feet will not be tomatoes. But I'm going to put tomatoes on the other end, basically. Right. Um, so in that case, I think that's fine. If you say eight feet and then the next eight feet, you want to put tomatoes there next year. I think you probably have some issues. I, I don't think that that's um, that's not as true to com- uh, crop rotation as we'd want. Right. So this was one of the big questions I had years ago. And when I started looking into mm-hmm. it, I mean, I dug deep. I went to the library. I went to the Internet. I read blogs and websites and scientific papers and everything else. And from what I gathered, the consensus was pretty much there for the most part. It's we have to remember something. What you see above the surface is not what you see below the surface. Now, let's just stay on tomatoes, for instance. If your tomatoes, and tomatoes generally take up about four square feet, right? So that's, 
you, you know, that's the, the foliage, the fruits and all that. But underground, those roots are spreading out farther than that. Mm-hmm. And they're sending them out. And a lot of times there's, I mean, on top of diseases, there's also, you know, like pests and specifically like the root knot nematode. But mm-hmm. in this discussion that I'm having right now, what is the key word in that root not nematode so if those roots are spreading out six seven square feet past that that's Mm -hmm. kind of your breadth around it now i i cannot sit here and even begin to pretend like i can tell you how far your plant roots spread because that is definitely very subjective and it's it's variable i guess is the word i want to use because roots spread if if you water them a lot and you feed them right at the root ball, they're not going to spread far. If it gets dry, they're going to spread far and they're going to spread deep because they're going to look for water. And if, you know, you spread your fertilizer out far, generally speaking, they will get, they will spread out and then you'll have more of a root system in place. So, because my question was, if I plant in my bed, a cabbage takes up one square foot, I'm going to go a little easier. And then the next year I plant the cabbage right next to it. Is that okay? And the answer was overwhelmingly, no, it is not okay. But the question, but the answer on the other side of it was, if I move it to the other side of the bed, a good distance, is that okay? And it was kind of mixed reviews, but it was like, yes, that would be okay. You know, it wouldn't be perfect, but it would be okay. Because a lot of people don't have multiple beds. They, you know, they may have just one big, huge bed mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. fine, but you can separate it by row, you can separate it by grid, you can separate it by sections, all that kind of stuff. You just you're gonna have to get a little creative, but you've got to give them space. Yeah, I think um, yeah. So the thirty foot space, and I'm using your measurements because my beds aren't eight feet. So that eight foot bed, right? That's the at the start of that thirty foot space. I think the because that's all the space that in this scenario that I have to grow in. So whatever I'm growing, it's growing in those, you know, basically three to four size raised beds. And I think the best case scenario is to plant in bed one, eight feet. Then let's call the next eight feet bed two. I think you move cabbage from bed one to bed two, probably more than likely bed three. Right. I think that's the better case scenario in that small space. And I know that that's not even small to some. I think that some people have even smaller spaces. That's my opinion. Um, and so it doesn't mean that I do that all the time. But I think that that's the better case scenario um, if if we are on track with what Laura is describing. Yeah. Now, you want to play a game? I know you sure. hate it when I do this. Let's pretend for this show that we are talking about one bed, not multiple raised beds in a garden. I knew you would do it. I knew you would do it. And the only reason why I'm saying it because I'm getting confused in myself because in my garden, I get it. But in general, if we had one bed, it just it makes sense. You want to play that game or should we just scrap that game? I mean, we're 
So one answer <laughs> and to end the game could be you grow cabbage this year, you don't grow it next year. I mean, yeah, but that's that, a, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the tenets of crop rotation, right? You know, you're not growing the same thing in the same space. Now, I know the question is nuanced, and I've absolutely had the same question as well. I think the better case scenario, and I'm okay, I'm good with going with the one bed. Okay, um, you know, yeah, I'm good with going with the one bed. Um, so you had to think pretty hard about it, though. Well, you know, I was I, no, I was thinking about whether or not like I've had one bed. So technically, when I was growing in that thirty foot space, it was just dirt. It yeah. was in ground, you know. But I think thirty feet is not your typical one bed. So I want to be fair. Um, I think planting the corners. Yeah, you know, year one for cabbage. You know, you got one or two plants in one edge, and then the next year, one or two plants in the ne- another edge. Now. I'll give you a cheat, and this is where um, on we I just listened to the episode where we had the bulk of the questions. If you haven't listened to that, that's a couple episodes back in your feed um, where we talk about like a dozen listener questions. So, and it's going to be a future episode. Someone said that they uh, they basically try to cheat with composting. Now, I try to cheat here too with crop rotation. For me, if I grew in the spring in that one corner of the bed and I was able to grow cabbage that fall, I probably would put them in that same place. In my mind, I'm going to say, like this is all the same soil in the same season there's no sense in me moving this cabbage and starting an air quote year two but that's my opinion right so i just googled it and the common size garden is um a 10 by 10 10 so 100 square feet okay um if we do that that's not a garden bed but a garden yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's a garden you know mm-hmm. so and we'll just call it an in-ground and what i'm doing right now is I'm quickly making a test one on um, the planter app. The planter app. Mm-hmm. Because I want to visualize it as I talk about it. So if I go through it, and actually I'm going to share my screen with you, Batavius, so we're not both doing it. Because that would just be mayhem. If we were both doing the same thing in different ways, it would be terrible. And my 10 by 10 is, is going to be more decorative than yours because I've already put some flowers in some of mine. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see okay. it. Okay. <laughs> So we're going to go ahead and what I'm going to do is we have 10, we're going to do square foot rows and so there's 10 square foot rows, right? And Mm -hmm. what I want to do is make it so I'm not clicking on the wrong thing. I was going to lay it out so we can visually look at it and I'm sorry you guys can't, we'll be doing um, this on YouTube at some point in the near future, but we go through here. And if you do a 10 by 10 bed, would you go and have 10 square foot rows or would you leave a square foot in between each row? Which would you do? A square foot in between each rows. You, you would leave a square foot blank? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once I do that, then we'll go through. And so if you look at it, you've got a square foot row and then you've got a square foot in between where nothing goes through. And so that's like your where you could walk and stuff like that. And so if we look, you can walk that gives plants an opportunity to spread their wings, yep. right? Yep, exactly. It gives them a chance to go grow outside of their space and all that, which, you know, honestly, I think is the best way. And this kind of factors into it. And depending on how you manage a space like this, it could work out in your favor because you could grow in each row and then the next year you could till it up and let the next one grow so you could get multiple crop rotations out of this right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but as we build this and we're just let's say cabbage because it's easy 
or yeah, even collards. And then, so the thing, go the thing about this, and this is a part of the nuanced question, is there's some crops that will be in your garden all year, all season. Yeah. Growing season, not yeah. a, you know, not fall, winter, or spring, and then there's some crops that kind of come in and out. You know, and so that's where that whole spring garden, summer garden, fall garden, and that so it complicates it so much for me in my head. It's very complicated, and it doesn't. It feels like it doesn't need to be complicated. But I'm building out this garden. We're baking it fall, so we've got one row of cabbage, one row mm-hmm. of broccoli, one row of collard greens, one row of kale, and then what do you want the next row to be? Carrots. Ooh, good one. I'd have like two or three rows of carrots. Yeah, because the challenge we face with that lineup already is they're all of them besides the carrots are basically in the same family. Yeah, and but see, this is a very common, I feel like, winter food, right? And we're keeping it easy in each row because you could take each row and then divide them in half. You could do all kinds of things. But the first row is cabbage. So being that this row right here in the middle is blank, we could take the next year and move that cabbage row over one, and I think that would be enough space. What do you think? Yeah, sure. So because you, you're it moving it essentially two square feet over, but you could do stuff like that. But then we can also take this bed that we have this, and I know if you're driving down the road, you probably don't hit anybody trying to follow along with these numbers. But you could take this bed, and then you could also make it into quadrants, so four separate sections. And then you could plant that way, too. So you could have all your cabbage in one corner and then swap it over to the next corner. And then you could have your carrots over here and swap them over. So you could do stuff like that, too. And I believe, and carrots are actually, I think, the easiest to rotate because they don't really have a big root system, right? I mean, no, they don't. But they're still, uh, you know, carrot flies. They're yeah. still pests that you know are attracted to. And I don't have as a quick reference like what other things the carrot fly attacks beyond carrots. But that's the challenge with this. Well, that comes in the and next so episode. The way- yeah. So the way that I manage some of this is I'll have. So if you look at the the plot that he's outlined, a, you know, 100 foot space, you know, so basically he has now because we decided in this episode we were going to plant every other row, every other square foot row. So he has f- five rows of food and basically five rows of space in between each row of food. So in that case, if this was my garden, I wouldn't have as many. Like he has an entire row of cabbage, an entire row of broccoli. I wouldn't do that because basically I would have it. In, and this, again, this is, this is where you play around with it. You almost have an entire garden of brassicas. So then it the, goes back to the question of if we only have one row of carrots, that's kind of the only place we could grow brassicas next year. That's kind of what we're saying, you know. And so I'd probably do with five rows of growing food. I'd do maybe two rows of brassicas going back to the point of the first two rows are brassicas this year, next year, maybe the next two rows are brassicas or you get what I'm saying. So that's, yeah. that's the way that I'd manage it. Um, and this is, it's not an easy question. And I'm glad that, although it's not a topic I love, I it's know a that you would have this topic. whole row of collards right here though. Don't even say you well, wouldn't have course. that whole row of collards. Don't even front. Yeah, of, of course I would. <laughs> and anyone that's listened to more than two or three episodes knows this, right? 
<laughs> and I'd sacrifice everything else for them. That's why um, I love you. But no, that's a, it's a great. I face that challenge all of the time. There's so many of the brassicas that I love to grow. I love to eat, and it's not just the plant. So when you say, "Oh, I want to grow broccoli. I want to grow collards. I want to grow kale. I want to grow cabbage," it's not like I want to grow one plant of each. Yeah. You know, um, but with a hundred foot by a hundred square foot space, I could get a few more in. But if we go back to what you originally twisted my arm to do and it's a single raised bed, you got to make some decisions. You know, you just can't have it all in that space and mind crop rotation. And that's what makes me sad. But it's a reality. Like there are a lot of things in life that make me sad. As but My mom you know, always you said you can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. I hate it when she said No, that. I didn't have lunch beforehand. Oh, my goodness. I have this kind of... um. I got it from this restaurant. This and the the cake the was more than the meal itself. It's craziness. So it was like a pumpkin cheesecake, and it was really good but really rich. So I only ate half of it. And I forgot that I had it in the refrigerator. I can't eat. And that. I'm not one for like a lot of pumpkin fall season kind of things, but this was delicious. Sorry for the tangent. Yeah, that's okay. We'll let you slide. Mm-hmm. So now, now that I've got the planner app, I'm just like making gardens now. But the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm going to put it on the Facebook page. I'll put a screenshot of this up so you guys can see the the test garden we did. And I kind of changed it while Batavia was talking. So we have uh, half a row of cabbage, half a row of beets, a full row of broccoli, and a half a row of collards, a half a row of... Um, radishes, a half a row of parsnips, a half a row of kale, a half a row of collard or not collards, um, carrots, and a half a row of rutabaga. And then the game, if you guys so choose so to to go along, and you have the planner app, is go ahead and show us your crop rotations for it, and it'd be interesting to see how you guys would do it. Um, because mm-hmm. if as I look, because this is more realistic than just having four vegetables in this big area. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you straight up. I would plant every single row in the damn garden. Like, I'm not even trying to play. Like, I would have that thing packed to the gills. So that's me. See, the best version of me would have it skip. But I also look at this and say, like, I think those cabbage are too close together. I think a cabbage needs more than a square foot. Yeah. Now, listen, this is I'm sitting at my desk in front of my computer with a microphone in front of me. This is studious Batavia doing the right things. Right. Get me in the garden. I'm like, how do I vertically plant? How does a cabbage plant planted on top of another cabbage plant? Yep, I did it. No, we're gonna see if it works. What's your, um, where so, you're at right now is you're sitting in your dream world talking about planting a garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look at it. You know, I love these views, too, so I'm glad that you're going to share this view, but I do something like every other. You basically only have like three cabbage or something in yeah. that space. Yeah, um, and I mean... You know, but again... Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, though. So when we go through and you start rotating, you need to know when to rotate, what to rotate. And so the question is, if you plant cabbage in the spring and you plant it in the fall, can you put it in the same space? What is your take on that? So based on, and once you all, you'll be able to see this image when you listen to the episode, because someone had a genius moment as we were recording here. Um, so I would essentially swap that half a row. So the half a row of the vegetables you talked about, the half a row of cabbage, I put it in the first half row. And then the fall, I'd move it to the second half of that row. That's what you and would that's do? That's not... Yeah, that's not full on crop rotation, but I'm giving that soil a break, a part of that soil a break from that crop. Right. 
Now, that doesn't mean next year I'm coming back for that row and planting cabbage at all. I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. I'll mm-hmm. give you that. What I'm would a, you do? I would not do that, though. But mm-hmm. I can understand that, and I think it's okay to do that because it is a small season as long as you're not going to go back there. And I would say, honestly, if you're going to do that for a year or two, mm-hmm. because you want to give that a break. And it's not really... It's it's hard to say, and like for me, because my cabbage will sit in the ground, like potentially sit in the ground from September until February sometimes. Because remember, everybody, if you're new to the show, we get a dormant period where things just kind of stay stagnant until they start to grow again when it gets warm. So that's a really long time for stuff to sit there and things to take hold. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I generally try to just go ahead and just rotate every season every season out. Now, if I had to, if I could grow tomatoes two seasons out of the year, I'd be screwed. Like really bad <laughs> because it would yeah, just yeah, make yeah. it very difficult. But luckily the summer crops are really long-standing crops for for me. You know, they go from the end of spring all of summer and they can even go into part of fall. So they're really long-standing crops. So it works out pretty good. But no, I would I would move them over a row or two mm-hmm. and just do it that way. But once you look at it, and I say, if I saved this as, you know, I'd named it test, but if I saved it as something else and then I went through and copied it onto another one and I could see it, then I could start rotating. And let's say these are my favorite crops and that's all I wanted to do. I can figure mm-hmm. out how to rotate them because the one thing is if you plant something and I believe cabbage has a fairly shallow root system. So what we have, the situation that you can have unfold is you would have something like the soil underneath could start to get compacted. And that's a really good reason why you'd want to go back and plant carrots in that area. Or And, mm-hmm. I, and look, everybody, do not take that as like something I would do because I'd have to make sure that it's okay to do that. But just as far as tillage goes, that would help till the garden. You know, the parsnips would help till the soil beneath. So you could start doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I do because within this garden plan, the crops that are going to really disturb the soil are the rutabaga, the carrots, the parsnips, um, the beets, and even the radishes to an extent, because you're kind of, you're pulling the whole plant up. So you are kind of getting, but those are kind of iffy, but everything else that's in there, you really do need to kind of work around that piece by piece. Yeah, I think um, so. Let's let's complicate this as far as oh, it's complicated. They're already. not always. I'm struggling to. Stay yeah, on we're track. not always <laughs> here to have to give solutions. Like we don't always have them, but considerations, as I like to describe it, um, there is growing to eat fresh, growing to enjoy during the season, and then there is growing to preserve, right? And there's the combination of the two. And the reason why I point that out is quantities that you're growing absolutely are influenced by which kind of seat you're sitting in as a gardener um so you know you look at the carrots that you have there and i know that 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 would be multiple carrots but you're definitely getting enough carrots in this to enjoy fresh maybe i mean i don't even know if you have a canners full of carrots in there to preserve and that could be okay yeah well i mean and that's part of it too you've got to figure out what you want to have in your garden and what your goals Mm -hmm. are with it and that's, I mean, that kind of goes into future episode that we have planned, but you've mm-hmm. really got to figure out like, Hey, this is what I want from my garden. This is my goal. I want to 
preserve this, eat this fresh, this, set and the other. You know, it's like we have a whole row of broccoli because, quite frankly, that's just one head of broccoli. And I know you can get side shoots, but we're not going to talk about side shoots today. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's... T- you know what I've... As, as an aside, you know what I've started to get uh, feedback on? What? Uh, cabbage side shoots. Oh, oh never mind. I'm not even going to yeah. go there. Yeah. Yep. I've seen them. I mean, I, I'm looking at them in my uh, in my garden, but it's like, that's the thing now to tell people. <laughs> so, I mean, there's just all these different ways to do it now. So, I would definitely move the plant as far away as you can from the original spot it was in. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. first and foremost. And then over the seasons, I think we're both in agreement that you should not plant in the exact same spot. Mm -hmm. Right. Agreed. Okay. And it's the reason why that's confusing me. One last note on that is because if you're growing it and let's say you grow your cabbage, like this year, I grew my cabbage in one spot, and then I put my sweet potatoes in, and then I come back behind and put my cabbage in. Like, yeah, I had 120 days of sweet potatoes in there, but I don't know if it's enough time, you know, because different pests and diseases thrive at different times, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. weathers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm not an entomologist or I don't know what it's called for fungi and stuff like that and disease, but I'm not one of those people. So I just kind of have to use my best guess. Yeah, and I think that, um, so if you're being proactive in this question, Laura and others, I think that's super cool because there was a time where I was of the school of thought of you do it until you have a problem and then you make the adjustments, right? You know, um, so I mean, I think that the general, the tenet of it is don't grow the same thing in the same space Yeah, every year. I think if you can start with that as a base, and see how close you're coming to that. Um, now, and again, the confession <clears throat> is, sometimes I will have some of the same crops. I'm still teetering on, do I grow tomatoes in the same space for a year or two? And then move it. I'll just just keep it real. I don't know. I'll have the winter to decide. We'll actually need to decide sooner than that, but that's a different conversation. Well, let me say this, too. Um, you might be sitting here right now and be like, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to plant the way I want. And it's fine. And I'll plant until I have an issue. But I I want you to remember one thing if you're doing that. When you have the issue and the time it takes to get over it, it's going to be painful. It's devastating. And it's, yeah, and it's an easy fix. And yeah, it's a little bit of a pain. But you know what? This is how it is, you know? I mean, imagine a farmer, say one year he gets, I don't know, two cents an year of corn. And then the next year he gets the equivalent, I don't know, you know, what the poundage would be of one penny per pound of soybeans and he gets more money off the corn, but the next year he's going to get 50% less money off the soybeans. So why would he do that? And that's because if he doesn't rotate those crops, then in the following year, at some point he's going to end up getting zero money and it could be for a number Mm -hmm. of years he gets no money. So it makes sense to go ahead and just bite the bullet, rotate the crops. And sometimes you got to leave a spot blank, man. You know, let's say you've rotated and rotating out, man, there's just nothing I really want to put there. Just leave it blank for a little bit. Leave it for a season or, you know, Mm -hmm. or you can take a chance. Yeah. I mean, I think it's up to you. It is up to you. It's not up to me. I can tell you that much. Actually, in my garden it is, but I, you know, 
I hope in everybody's garden it does kind of help you to decide what you want to do. Um, Laura also wants to know about crops, crop covers, and are there crops to plant that boost the next season's growth that are plant specific, i.e., soy and corn, etc. One thing that um, is well known are peas are good ones because they add nitrogen back to the soil as mm-hmm. long as you leave the roots in the soil. So that's a good one. Um, I usually try and take advantage of that and plant those on most of my trellises. So you can do that. And cover crops definitely go into that. And you, I don't know if you – actually, I don't know the answer to that. Do you think you need to rotate cover crops if you were like really big oh, into cover a- crops? Oh, that's a really good question. It's on my longer list of like to do a deep dive on. My instincts say yes, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, we are toying with the idea of going into doing a cover crop episode over the winter. So stay tuned for that. I think we are going to do one, but we've got to do some reading up on it because it can get pretty technical. And just to note, I don't believe, and I've not read it anything to, to say that this is true. I don't believe that, or that it's not true. I don't believe that you, um, that every single crop has to be rotated. You don't you believe know? that? So, I don't believe that. No. I believe, I mean, so Give me an there's example. somewhere. Hmm? Give me an example. You, I'm going to get to the end of the sentence and there'll be okay. an example between like now and then. <laughs> <laughs> He's sharing his screen so he can't see my face. I'm still talking right now. Uh, so lettuce is a good example in my mind because, and there's going to be an interweb search that says lettuce is a heavy feeder. Um, and, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but lettuce is one of those things you can plop in in my opinion anywhere anytime right it's almost a filler crop for me um so like hard stop i mean it's very nitrogen dependent you know so well well, yeah are you depleting your soil of nitrogen Uh, that's one of so that's one of the things too that's tricky is it is nitrogen dependent as is almost all of the fall crops Mm -hmm. you know um in our little test garden we did I don't have it pulled. Well, I can pull it back up. Let me see if I can get a number for you guys so I can be accurate and not give you some random percentage. One, two, three, four. So this one's actually pretty even. It's about 40% nitrogen dependent, not 50% <laughs> nitrogen dependent the way I designed it. Now, if you grow lettuce and you know, all greens and it's going to be really nitrogen dependent that could have the same effect for the next season though, where if you put something nitrogen dependent in that spot that it Mm -hmm. could be. So you just need to be aware of that. doesn't mean that you can't plant Mm -hmm. lettuce there again. And that's simple. You just add more nitrogen to, you know, add some blood meal in, you know, and get it, get it in there and get it cooking. But those are the things that will kind of give you, it gives you an insight to it because, Sweet potatoes use, make sure I get my nutrients right, potassium, because it's a root crop. So, for instance, I don't think I would put my rutabagas behind my sweet potatoes, <laughs> right? Because they I don't, I mean, be, I don't know that for sure, but that sounds logical to me. Yes, yeah, you would not. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of what we have to go. We have to go off of Gardner's logic at this point. You know, let's say mm-hmm. that we don't want to do a Google search and we don't want to ask anybody, and if as long as you know that. Nitrogen creates leaves, potassium 
I hope I'm getting it right. NPK. Yeah. Potassium creates roots and you want a root crop, then you're going to need potassium. So you don't want to follow a root crop with a root crop. But I would follow a root crop with a nitrogen crop like I did this year. Like I put broccoli behind my uh, sweet potatoes. Yeah. So I I, um, I mean, I hear you. And again, we talked about this being really, really technical. Have we talked about number of years? So not this, um, you know, one year after another. There's some recommendations that say a gap of even three or maybe even four years in a most ideal scenario now again that's probably not as practical for your everyday gardener i home think gardener. that is one of the most unrealistic suggestions and i've heard that too it's not just i'm not saying you're unrealistic but i don't, I don't think that's a very realistic suggestion imagine putting your tomatoes not in the same place for every except for every four years that would be tough yeah, so I think that, again, the science is the science. The reason behind crop rotation doesn't care that I only have a 30-foot by 4-foot space, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so plant life is what it is. Now, of course, again, there's some some things that you can do to combat it as far as what you're adding to the soil. But, again, pests are pests. Hard stop, right? Um, so I, I agree that it's very difficult to abide by those recommendations. And I bet that there are a bunch of gardeners out there that, you know, move there, repeat the plantings every two to three years and are just fine. And I'm sure there are people that are out there like I never rotate my crops. My grandpappy never rotated his crops and his grandpappy before him never did. You know, and again, God bless him. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, I try and do, because of the size of my garden, I've been blessed. I try to do every two years with an asterisk. So if I don't have an issue with a crop, then I'll just skip a year. But like my tomatoes always get disease. Always. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I let them go roughly two years before they go into the same space. Um, You're infesting your entire garden with your soon to be diseased tomatoes yeah <laughs> you, you know and i usually get septorial leaf spot so that being said if the spores live in the garden then i just kind of separate them and i don't put them back in that spot but if i had to would i put them in after a year break yeah i would i don't think i would think twice about it but as long as you're doing the bare i think anything is better than nothing you know if you had um like squash for instance one thing about squash is the squash vine borer eggs are underground and so they hatch and they come out so that being said like i would never ever plant that in the same spot and as a matter of fact i'd probably try and plant that as far away as possible from that spot even though i mean let's be honest you know moths have wings they fly so they're going to fly what they want but Mm -hmm. i'm going to give them I'm not going to give them the opportunity to just jump right on. I'm going to make them work for it. You know what I'm saying? So maybe I'm creating like a a stronger squash vine borer moth. I don't know. So do you think for crop rotation that covers it? No, there's a, I mean, we, this could be like a four part series or something. There's a bunch, but I think this is a detailed answer to, you know, a question and we wanted to have a special episode for it. So I think it does that job. Yeah. And I think also one thing, if you ever have doubts, number one, look up the, uh, you know, whatever you have doubts about and read about it Two, There are a lot of books out there that detail 
not necessarily crop rotation, but I mean, there's a, on our Amazon list below, we've got a book in there that gives you garden plans that factor in crop rotation and it gives you the plans for like three to four years. So Mm -hmm. definitely you could check that out. And, um, just using like common gardener knowledge will help you. You know, if I see cabbage moss on this plant, then maybe or cabbage worms on this plant then i and this plant then they shouldn't go behind each other you know just Mm -hmm. think of stuff Mm -hmm. like that um and that'll help you because the next episode is going to be about companion planting and um i do want to give a special shout out to the planter app for this episode um i know we talked about it earlier but make sure you're checking out the link below and um i'll put this picture on the facebook group and uh patreon and anywhere else I can think when this episode airs. So be sure to keep a lookout for that and just play around with it, especially if you're using a planner app and let us know how you'd rotate it. It's a good practice, but we do have a Spotify question. It's not really a question though. It's a very good point. Hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. So this is from the Facebook group and it's from a gardener's garden and it says Spotify question. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe just a question for other penny pincher gardeners. So y'all know I'm cheap. So there you go. Um, that's a question about piggybacking off of the episode. Can you garden without fertilizer in the mm-hmm. store? There are different types of fertilizers, bone mill, blood mill, tin, 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 high nitrogen, etc. Does anyone make their own fertilizer types outside of compost, tea or worm castings? And how do you make it or use it? Um, they are a big fan of not wasting any gift or resource God gives us. And we use zero waste opportunities. They make bone mill type fertilizer using bones and veggie scraps after cooking whole chickens, using the bones and scraps to make broth and then put the bones and scraps into a food processor, add water at a one-to-one ratio. Once they are pulverized into a pulp that can be poured. They freeze them in the cube trays, pop out, and use as needed. Um, so, you know, they can, and some people also, it says, if you have in process your own animals, you can just pour the blood into the garden, which is the same as blood meal. Um, but they don't have any animals for that just yet, but hopefully they will in the future. So that is a very good point. Um, you can make your own fertilizers. People have been burying fish in gardens for years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, so. I don't do any of, of what the listener described. Um, you, I did. Yes, make, you do. Uh, don't sorry. lie. Don't lie. You went out there and killed that raccoon and cut his ass up and, and chopped him up and put him right Baby, in the garden. Let me tell you, I am saving. Huge. I have one video of the last capture. And when I say capture, like I capture it through video of the raccoon and I can't even post it until winter. Like, <laughs> I don't even want to bring the karma on. Um, so I, uh, as an aside, though, um, to everyone that's in the kitchen and uh, I've made, believe it or not, broth for the first time this year. And I'm hooked. Yeah, we, like, made, we got an abnormal amount of roosters this year and I made broth. And I, I kind of wish I would have read this first because I probably would have tried to use the bones. Um, mm-hmm. So we, 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 we had to, you know, we don't want roosters. I don't want to deal with them. Um, so we killed it. The first one, we got five total. And I told my wife, I was like, make some fried chicken, man. I'm, I'm going to give y'all a secret. Do not ever eat a rooster. 
ever. They do. How not... do you accidentally get a rooster? It's it's a whole thing. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just a whole thing. It's very hard to sex chicks when they're young. Mm, um, okay. Mm-hmm. And anyways, so do not ever eat a rooster. It tasted terrible. So we ended up making broth out of it. And I'm the same as you. I'm like, man, maybe I can get some more roosters next year. You never know. Mm-hmm. But um. Well, my method is basically getting the Sam's Club chicken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or the Costco. I don't have a Costco membership, but I know a lot of people do that. And so, you know, I basically, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I am now like looking forward to drinking the broth as a part of my winter health and wellness approach. Um, but, but I do, I would love for others to comment for in response to this listener if they're doing some other things and it's not like i'm going to replace my fertilizing my store-bought fertilizer you know immediately like maybe it's one method you try this year and then you incorporate another method so if others can share what they're doing as well i still believe that you know the little bits count yeah, um, there's a guy on here, or I'm sorry, young lady that also said, and this is not a stab at you if it is for me saying this, but they said, I didn't start using specific fertilizers until this year, and they noticed a difference in their increased harvest, but otherwise they always use compost before, so there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of playing around with different needs of plants and stuff like that, which is bone meal, mm-hmm. blood meal and stuff like that. So, um, mm-hmm. I thought, I just thought it was a very good point that she made, you know, about making your own fertilizers and stuff. And it is definitely worthy to bring up on the show. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'm going to be honest. Every time I put blood meal in my garden, I, especially in the fall, mm-hmm. I get animals that come dig up my garden. Every no, time I point. inject a fertilizer, which is usually fish. I get um, animals dig up my garden and chew on my drip system, and I have to end up replacing a hose. So the me adding something like that's probably not going to happen just because it's excessively difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it took me two years to figure out what was going on. But other than that, I've been really happy with blood meal, and um, I just don't have excessive amounts of blood. And I kind of just rather put it in my garden as powder than as an actual liquid. Call me crazy, yeah, yeah. but that's, you know, co- coagulated blood is not a pleasant thing to be around. Mm-hmm. So there it is, everybody. I hope that you got something out of this episode and crop rotation maybe was demystified a little bit. And just remember, when you're out there getting ready to do the hokey pokey and you're going to turn yourself around, go ahead and grab your plants and turn them around, too, because that's what it's all about. And we're going (laughs) to remember this. On the Backyard Gardens podcast, we learn to grow and grow for change. See ya. As I'm rotating my crops. Hokey pokey. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Thanks for checking out the show. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash backyard gardens, or you can be an Apple subscriber. And in both of those, you'll get an extra episode every month.
You can also make a one-time PayPal donation with the link below. And you can get all kinds of gardening gear, like t-shirts and mugs and cups from the link below at Teespring. And we have an Amazon store, which has all the products that we use and recommend in our gardens, and it helps support our show. And we also add to this list periodically, so be sure to check it out periodically to see if there's anything that you need for your garden. Everything that you do, including a like and a subscribe and even a review, will help us learn to grow and grow for change. See ya.